What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 10 to 17, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 19th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood. And I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is my friend, Matthew Sadler. He is up to some very cool stuff, working to launch a program to get kids out in nature and connect fathers and their kiddos in the great outdoors. Several amazing quotes, but one that I will share here is the legacy you leave will be based on a life of service. Enjoy meeting my friend, Matthew. All right, guys, I'm already smiling ear to ear because we're going to talk fatherhood right now. And I've got my friend, Matt Sadler, on the show. Matt, how are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Ned. Yeah, bro. I'm so excited just to talk fatherhood with you. And first, right out the gate, man. I just want to give a big shout out. Thank you. You know, I'm about to launch by the time this episode's out, the adventure of fatherhood children's book will already be out, but um, I did a Kickstarter and you were a supporter and uh, just helped bring it to life. So thank you so much, bro, for your belief in, in fatherhood and in what we're doing. My pleasure, man. That was, it's a beautiful thing. And I'm so uh, proud of you. And I'm so grateful that there's men in this world like you that are actually bringing light to what a beautiful journey fatherhood can be and how much we can actually do to uh, transform our kids, our relationship too, but uh, with ourselves, but also with our kids. So yeah, it's, I it's a big calling. Like, yeah. I think the first couple of years of being a father, I was kind of like, man, what, what am I supposed to do here? I, I don't even know where I fit in my, you know, my wife fed both mm -hmm. of the boys naturally. And I was kind of like, you know, secondhand man, but as the boys are getting bigger and we're, starting to do activities together and they're learning how to ski and play ice hockey. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Or it's actually really awesome. Yes, it, it is. But yeah, that, that it's interesting. And that's really my thought is how do we help fathers to see who they are, you know, and not stumble into fatherhood, but bro, let's talk about you as a dad. So just to help people get a picture of who I'm talking to right now, first question, how old do you find yourself today? <laughs> I am 47 years old. 47 years old and how many years you've been married we are celebrating our 14th anniversary on tuesday Ooh, nice 14 years and how many kiddos do you guys have we've got two little boys one that's six and uh, one that's eight kai and tristan six and eight dude in the thick of that like fun transition of not really i mean little kids but not little kids like kids who can do stuff like you already said it go skiing and play ice hockey and go hang with dad. Um, and then where do you guys reside as a family? We are outside of Vail, Colorado. So we're in a community called Eagle, Colorado. Okay. Love it. Do the boys, are they outside just all the time? Except maybe today. As it's much as cold. possible, especially my eight-year-old. He's he's actually kind of the funny one that'll, he'll watch enough cartoons. He's like, I don't need to watch any more cartoons. I need to just go outside and walk. And he'll literally, we have a, a big waterfall in our backyard and he'll pace back and forth in the summer above. And he's just having like an inter interior dialogue. And I'm just like, what is he talking about? Or what, what's going through his mind? Like, it's just like this amazing, you know, 
how how these kids develop and understand the world and how they frame it is a mystery to me. And just being able to live through his eyes, because I've been skiing since I was four. Wow. So it kind of was losing its zest for me. But then to be mm. on the mountain with those guys, mm. like it's a whole new world. I'm actually enjoying, you know, and I see the mountain through their eyes now. So it's a yes. new experience for me. Man, that's so cool to get to share something like that. And I love the the comment, like it was losing its zest for you, but to be able to do it with the two human beings on the planet that that you will love, you know, in such a unique way to get to share that experience with them. Um, man, that's that's really beautiful. Matt, what do you do for a living? Now, I love and hate this question because most us men use it to size each other up. But I ask the question because it helps all the fathers listening realize this is a level playing field. It doesn't matter if I'm, you know, make 40 grand a year or $4 million a year. I'm going to still have a two-year-old who wakes me up in the night that pisses me off. I'm still going to have a 10-year-old who tells me to go piss off. I'm still going to have a 16-year-old who, you know, makes a mistake I wish they hadn't. And so in in a lot of respects, us fathers are going to deal with the same things. And so I asked the question just to help us all connect with each other. So with that in mind, what is it that you do for a living? I know I think that's a valid question and certainly frames my reference uh, of how I see the world, how I frame mm. it. I started my company when I was 15 years old. So I've wow. really, I've never worked for anybody else um, than myself. So I had 24 employees by the time I was 19 wow. and uh, was in the landscaping. I started a mowing company. And when I was 16, I'm like, gosh, what else can I do besides mowing lawns? Like I can aerate lawns, which is like where you plug the earth and it pulls the soil out and loosens it up. And then I'm like, okay, well, what about sprinkler systems? That seems, and I found out that I could make $1,500 installing a sprinkler system. And then that just kind of grew with my knowledge base and uh, it grew into a, a massive landscaping company. Today, you know, I'm a licensed arborist, and but I have three companies that we just re- merged into one uh, single identity, but it's all plant healthcare. So it's all science-based. Um, and then we have about four or five other brands that we're building underneath that. One of them is called the Nature Ninja that mm-hmm. is directed towards children and is about engaging fathers with their kids outside. It's called, you know, it's art, science, and nature are kind of the pillars that we like to, to fall on. So how can we teach kids and engage them in nature and at the same time have them learn something about science, which is kind of the structural side of me, the science-based. I was mm-hmm. pre-med in college. And then at the end of the day, how do we actually, I, I really feel like memory can actually be enhanced through creativity and i really appreciate Mm. you know rebel and create i was just like that is such a cool uh title because it's like it's true it's like what it what what for men and for young boys it's what makes you angry for girls i think a lot of times it's what makes you emotional or may make you cry so there's certain things in this world that are trigger points and then that's where i think you lean into and those are the things that inspire you or that you can actually change in the world because you're invested and you have something really yes. beautiful. And then that's that's where the creativity comes in. So I'm a sculptor, too. I was planning on being a, a brain surgeon. So I learned sculpture at a very young age at 17. Wow. And I had one of my clients that was actually a jeweler um, that was teaching me how to do jewelry. So I had real finite skills to the millimeter um, when I was 17, 18 years. I was working in a jewelry shop with him. So, so I'm... The- that's a long answer. It's I'm an arborist and I'm a business owner. <laughs> so. I dig it. And and I do want to dig into the nature ninja a little bit later. Tell me 15 years old, the motivation to go start mowing lawns. Like 
where did that motivation come from? I think that ties into the fatherhood thing. So my father was not around. I did not Mm. have an ideal father. My mom was working at United a lot of times, uh, working double shifts to pay the, the bills. And so I saw that scarcity and my dad was the one that actually presented to me like, why don't you go and mow lawns and make $17 or $15 per lawn? And it's good exercise. Like I'd gotten a little chubby in middle school and he's like, I think in the back of his mind, like this will get him back in shape. So uh, I passed out some flyers and I just started mowing lawns and I just, I didn't want to see my mom suffer. I saw her go to pawn shops because she couldn't make rent and pawn off jewelry. And then two weeks later have to go back in and buy it. And I didn't feel like that was shameful. I just felt like that was like, I didn't, I wanted more for her too. And I didn't want to be a burden to her. Now, were you only child? No, my sister uh, was seven years older than me. So she moved out and she was on like the fast track to get out of the house at a very young age. So at 18, I think she, she was moved out and already getting married. And by 19, she already had her first child. So I was an uncle at 12. Yeah. So she was long gone during kind of those critical years kind of and i'm building this nature ninja adventure center i'm like i think i really want to kind of target boys that are in that middle school or even boys and girls in the middle school age bracket because that was probably some of the hardest years of my life i I had like a huge challenge on like where did i fit in this world Hmm. what was i going to do how you know how was i going to make a difference so i think those are kind of critical years critical years and i think in a lot of ways you know many of us don't grow out of those years we just learn through high school how to use either a sport or clothes or our words or something to to like cover up our insecurities and and it's never really like <clears throat> somebody invites us in and and shows us and reveals to us who we are um so that we can just be ourselves but bro it's so interesting to hear your story because <clears throat> it's like we could be having the same you could be telling me the same story and say yeah my dad wasn't that great my mom you know this and that and so i grew up in group homes or i was homeless in my 20s or whatever so it's just so wild that you could go from i chose to be a moron and make bad choices <laughs> or i chose to mow lawns and then have, you know, hire my homies, realize I didn't need to do this on myself. And then now I got, you know, I'm, I'm 20 something years down the road and I've got five businesses and I'm set, uh, in some, in some instant or some, you know, ways, what do you think is that driving difference, right? Like if we could bottle up why you didn't just go out and get stoned and be a moron, uh, versus, going and making money and maybe still got stoned. I don't know, but you took responsibility as well. What do you think that driving force internally was? I mean, obviously you said, I didn't want to see my mom suffer. I mean, maybe, maybe that's the piece. Uh, I think that that's a great question. I, I would say, and I've been, you know, I've been in the platinum partnership with Tony Robbins too, which is a lot of really high level business guys um, that are in there. Some of them are billionaires. And you go like in these high level business groups, like what pushes somebody and what is the like the difference? Yeah. And like the thing that I, I consistently see and I see it in myself is it's hunger. Like the number one thing is you got to be hungry. Like it, you got to be hungry for something. Like if you're just wanting yeah. to play video games and watch TV, like there's not something that you don't have a strong enough. Why? Yes. And I think I had a mom that loved me 
you know, completely. And she would sacrifice everything that she had to shirt off her back. She was the kind of mom she worked at United when we get these blizzards in Denver and she'd be bringing home strangers to let them sleep overnight in the basement so that they didn't have to sleep in the airport, um, mm. being a single mom, like, and just me in the house. Like that's the kind of person she was. Wow. So she would, she was always a, a giver. And I mm. think my father was a taker. So I had a really big juxtaposition there of like, you know, there was two philosophies, like what's in it for me and how can I help? There's two different wow. philosophies that you can approach the world. And I love kind of the takeaway from that, that I, I came away with, like, I just want to have a life of service. Like yeah. I was pre-med and I wanted to be a doctor because I feel like physicians are truly like the salt of the earth. Those, these people are here to serve. And that to me is a life well lived. So I think there's that. And my, my grandfather, ironically, my step-grandfather on my mom's side was a very wealthy uh, businessman out of Palo Alto. And he had orchards all in Santa Clara and all throughout California. And I would go to this 10,000 square foot mansion for Christmas. And we would have, he had a butler and he had a dinner table that sat, you know, 30 people. I mean, it was, you know, the heyday of, I don't know what, I think it was the old Goodyear tire mansion. It was the, the original owners. Wow. So to see that and to see how much my mom was struggling, I think that that lit a fire in me going like this, if my grandfather was an immigrant from Yugoslavia and he created all this wealth first generation. Um, I, I, there's some way I can figure my way out of this thing. Like there's some way that I can get my mom. So she's not struggling at this level. Do you remember how old you were when you first went into that mansion? Uh, was it since I was born? Wow. Yeah. They moved so, from a, a smaller house, which was still a mansion to that big house. I think probably when I was three and there was double gates and we're talking, I don't know, 40, 80 acres in Palo Alto. That's all not Palo Alto. It's in Saratoga, which is outside of Palo Alto, if you know the area. Yeah, that's so rad because, you know, a lot of people walk into something like that and they go, oh, must be nice. And then there's others like yourself who walk in and go, oh, this shit's possible. Right. Like <laughs> this is possible. Um, and I remember it's so funny because I remember going to Beverly Hills. My mom had been an, uh, before I was born, she was an aspiring actress and a model. And so she had friends in Hollywood and we, we lived in Northern California. So we would go down there and visit and they lived in a mansion. And I just remember being there and thinking like, this is just a different way that people live like this. This is a possibility. And I was always intrigued in business and intrigued in how the world works, like how the economy works. Um, and it's just funny, you know, you you still have people who are like, oh, it must be nice versus what's possible. And then how hungry are you to go make what you want to come true? Yeah. And what resources are available to you? I mean, I for me, it was I had a couple hundred dollars that I could scrounge together and I bought a craftsman mower and, you know. I had to hustle. So it was a deep hustle from a very early age. And you got to find whatever resources that are available and uh, do whatever you can to maximize and optimize. That could be a friend or borrowing equipment or in this day and age, there's all kinds of lease and sharing. But I think that's the biggest thing is when you have the hunger, you know, the, the tyranny of how is something that Tony talks about a lot. Like, how am I going to do it? You never want to go down that. Find your why. And then the how will be found out. So mm. a lot of people lead with the question of how can I do that? You know, me building this comic book brand and building an entertainment brand right now, 
I have no clue what I'm doing. Like, I don't even get involved with the how. I just, I'm leaning into what I'm called to do. And I know I want to serve that. and inspire kids. So this is, and I am truly blessed to have two amazing children that run and give me a hug still. I don't know when that'll end, <laughs> but every morning I, I am hugged and adored and I feel it and it lights my life up. And it's just like one of the best feelings as someone who was very isolated as a, a child and as a man, probably for the first half of my life to have this much love in my life right now, it's like, it, it could bring me to tears to mm, uh, dude, so the good. most special gift. Yes. This is definitely one of the best gifts that I've ever received, or it is the best gift that I've ever received hands down. So let me ask this, you know, you think back to, you know, you coming into middle school, feeling struggling, uh, <clears throat> but then there's this motivation to go out and figure things out and, things turned out really well. When you think about your six and eight year old and the environment, the life that you're creating with and for them, how do you see your role in helping them to create their, because in some sense, like it was out of your discomfort, right? And this is the thing that I think any person with some wealth and success is struggling with is what do I do with my children? So for you, how are you starting to think about how to approach that as they're entering middle school and high school and you want to engage and have fun and go skiing and do all these things, but also create a hunger and motivation for them to build something with their lives? That would probably be, I mean, that is a definite question at hand for me right now that I am him grappling with. I think yeah. that we just came back from a 10 day trip to Southern California and, you know, we stay in very nice hotel rooms and suites and, you know, there's this feeling of entitlement and I, I feel it with the boys of like, Oh, what's next dad? Oh, are we flying in first class again to Maui? Um, and they're in lay flat seats. And there's this fear that's growing inside of me of like, I want to make sure that these young men want to serve and that they understand the value of money, but also that this isn't, a normal reality like this is something that i've worked for and it's a privileged reality but it also comes with uh a, i wouldn't say it's a burden the privilege comes with a responsibility to help others yeah. yeah so that's where we're i think we're moving into taking them to third world countries and i'm you know struggling with where we can do that safely i want to make sure that we're not i'm not exposing my children to unneeded sa- safety issues yeah, but i'd yeah, like for to take sure. them to to Colombia and take them to Africa and take them into some classrooms where they don't even have light. So they have to right. read books by candlelight at night and they don't have iPads and they don't even have running electricity to charge the iPads if they did. So there's a lot of different things. I think that's the biggest thing is just it's engaging them in a dialogue. We're going to Maui here in two weeks and you know we're looking into t- different um different volunteer opportunities where we can take them into a food bank or we can take them into uh, the Pacific Whale Foundation and just see, you know, just different ways that people are serving and they're not getting paid. Like this is for us to, as a, a link in humanity, like how do we have legacy in this world? And legacy to me is a life of service, a life of one of these groups that I belong to. It's it, bringing life into this world, not trying to take or to get something, but to give something that amplifies life. If that Man. makes sense. Yes. Yes. So good. I think that <clears throat> having that approach, and I've heard I've heard some do it. I have not done it myself, but if we're gonna go on vacation, let's find a day that we could go surf somewhere. And I think like what a cool approach you're taking. I'll tell you, you know, our move to Hawaii, um, our kids were in a in a dark 
place to some level, like just very sad um, about the move. It wasn't so much entitled, but very sad. And so we ended up going on a mission trip this last summer to Mexico because I was just feeling like these kids don't know what the entire world is like. Like we had to move. We got to move to Hawaii. So at a certain point, like, okay, stop being sad. And I'll (laughs) tell you, this mission trip was life transformational for our kids. And I mean, dude, we just went to Mexico to Tijuana, like your typical, you know, go build houses and be with orphans and play and, and engage. And, you know, and I think to some extent, eating at Chick-fil-A and then driving for an hour and being at an orphanage in the middle of like a freaking desert is a bit of a like, whoa, okay, just an hour away. We we were in like, have as much food as you want. Um, and then same on the realization on the drive back across the border. So yeah, I think that that was huge for our kids. So cultivating that in our rhythm of life is definitely on my mind. And we've done uh, a checklist that we just, since we got back from that trip. So obviously there's gratitude journals that are out there. Um, yeah. We try to get the kids, they seem a little resistant at six and eight to filling out the gratitude journal. Cause I don't know that they can articulate, you know, in their minds. Um, but mm. part of the checklist is also doing something compassionate for somebody every day, whether that's opening a, a door for a stranger mm. or helping out a underclassman at their school or whatever it is but they have to actually articulate what what compassionate deed did they do and that's kind of a requirement we have like a workout requirement where they do 50 push-ups 50 sit-ups 50 squats yeah i love it box jumps um and then they have you know the compassion check and they've got a reading check my son plays the piano so he has to play the piano seven days a week there's no like off days you know my my theory and my my approach to life is if you want mastery like you don't really get many off days. So mm-hmm. we have relaxed days where it's a little chiller, but I think that it's important to foster healthy habits and healthy rituals like reading every day. And we engage our kids in doing that are, you know, things that we believe in doing ourselves. So that's so good. Okay. Couple questions here. When did you embrace fatherhood? So was there a moment where you thought, wow, this really matters, you know, either your, your wife is pregnant or you're first son comes along or your son's two, like at what point did you embrace fatherhood and go, whoa, this really matters deeply? I think it was the moment that my first son was born in the hospital. I think that I viscerally remember the sun rising. I remember the time that he was born and I was like, wow, it is a gift from God that my wife somehow delivered this little human into this world. And I had something to do with it. Mm. I don't know that it was clear to me how that fatherhood would manifest itself or what my role was supposed to be or how I was supposed to support or like I'm they say it all the time they're like oh well you you know they'll check you out of a hospital and you always have to go out with but they'll give you a baby and you can walk out the front door <laughs> as if you're supposed it's to know so what the crazy. heck you're supposed to do it's and I was so just crazy. like do I get a training manual with this <laughs> what am I what am I supposed to do with this little you know six pound five ounce child so after that point I, I think I was like yeah, this is important. Like I, I'm living for some other being besides myself mm. for the first time in my life. Like this is huge. Yeah. Yeah. And- so good. As you, so as you've hit a couple stages, right? Baby toddler. And now your kids are coming into this, like they're kids that can do things. What's something that you've learned about yourself? Now, I know you you mentioned you've been in Tony Robbins stuff and you've been in you you you've really done a lot of personal development to grow yourself as a human being. But when you have kids, there's this whole nother level of like 
showing you your rough edges, <laughs> if you will. What have you learned about yourself in being a father? I think recently this came up. Um, I was just on a coaching call yesterday. Actually, I have a corporate coach and we talk about obviously fatherhood stuff too, but it's it's managing your state. It's managing mm-hmm. your psychology. You know, it's not when you have the bad day at, at work or if you have competition that's doing, you know, we it's a, we live in a very competitive environment up where I live. And it's there's some unique pressure points that are that are triggered and just a businessman and also being clear about your identity like my, my me mm. being a father comes first me being a businessman or an entrepreneur or having this the launch of this you know these businesses that we're working on right now like those are great they put a lot of pressure on me i like the pressure i thrive under pressure but i need to show up and be present for my kids so I think a lot of it is managing your psychology. A lot of it's making sure that you're taking care of yourself. You need to be healthy. You got to get good sleep. You got to eat properly. I think all of these things, a lot of the stuff when you get in Tony world, you know, you're going for 12 hour days and six days straight, you know, it's, it's high intensity and that's what it is to be like in parenthood. You don't know when you're going to be needed. And my sons may need to work out after they get home from school. And I may have had already been up since four in the morning and done cold plunges and, done my rituals um, and they're ready to do their workout. Yeah. So it's having the energy when you need to access the energy so that you're showing up. And those are the things that I remember. I remember my mom showing up to every single football practice that I had in high school. Wow. And she was one of maybe two or three parents. And then most of them were men, were men that actually came to the football practice or they were coaches. And she'd just sit on the bench and re- read her book and she'd watch and but that meant the world to me. I, I still am yeah. 47 years old. And I remember that from when I was 15 and 16 years old. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. It ma- it, so yeah, be, you know, yeah, it matters. So I and just, I, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I think that's the biggest thing I think that I've learned. And I've spent over $200,000 in, you know, working on myself through the Tony Robbins group and through the rock that you and I did together and through different, um, self-improvement programs that are out there that now it used to kind of be like shamed or shunned or I don't know what you want to call it. And I think it's all becoming pop culture. Like that's, you know, if mm-hmm. you t- talk about Tim Ferriss or you talk about Andy Fraselli or you talk about um, Ed Milet, there's a whole bunch of support that's out there now to help men like push through their barriers, push through their boundaries. You know, when I bought my first company, like that was a big deal, but then I bought two more and we bought a big commercial building. We've got, you know, apartments and we've got, uh, renters now and there's it's there's layers that you're always working to break through and i would say that's the same thing i see in fatherhood like it i love mm. having you in my life and having guys like you in my life that i know i can reach out to and i can reach out and ask like if i'm struggling with like how do i handle this or even hearing your story about tijuana i'm like that's amazing like that inspires me to actually take my kids on a mission trip and those are the stories you need. It's this communication. Most of us, I think most men self-isolate. And that is yeah. something that we should encourage ourselves to get out of. Oh my gosh, yes. But I love this statement you just made. There are always layers to push through. And I think it's so easy to talk about when we're talking about business or if we're talking about you know a sport that we're in or a hobby that we're in. And then you even said, man, you're talking about your kids. If you want mastery, you don't get many days off. Like, what would the world look like if us men looked at fatherhood as the mastery, as we looked at fatherhood as, hey, there's more layers to get through. Like, it's not just 
I look better than every dad on this freaking street, right? I, I show <laughs> up, I'm I, I'm I'm there. There's more to it. Like, and I think that's more the problem with us comparing ourselves to others is not that um it's to like make ourselves feel better, but it's holding us back from the true power that we have because it's just making a lot of us just all mediocre. Because if I'm just a little bit better than the guy next door, then then I'm not really pushing myself to my full potential. And so, man, I just love, there's always layers to push through. And us dads, if we looked at our fatherhood role in that manner, dude, how would your home look? How would your fulfillment be? How would your relationship with your wife be? Dude, yes. Yes, so good. Um, And That's a big piece of fatherhood is showing up for your, your spouse and making sure the kids know that, you know, mom and dad love each other. And they're looking to us as a reference on how to treat their husband or their wife yep. when they grow up in the man for girls, you know, a lot of times the father, that's the one that's setting the, the precedent of like, what's the man going to look like that I'm going to marry. And hopefully it's not some toxic relationship or that's a really strong man that's supportive and shows up and, and is present. A man, big I'm, thing for men is being present. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 39 and I regularly tell my parents the best gift they gave me was, uh, showing me that they love each other, like choosing to stay together and, you know, they've been married 30, not 40 years now. And what an incredible gift to give me, you know, like to show me it's possible. Um, Matt, you're already sharing it a lot, but when you think about the role of the father, if you were to kind of put it in, in, in a couple sentences, what would you say the role of the father is? I think that's the Joseph Campbell hero's journey. Mm. When you enter fatherhood, you're no longer the hero. Like you're the guide. Mm. And the guide is the one that's got to come up with the, the responsible. You know, there's a book called, um, what is the name of the book? Warrior. um, It's warrior, wizard, lover, king. Yeah. And I think of like, what is sovereignty by Thomas More, you know, which one I'm talking about? Yeah. Did I get that right? It's, I think it's something like that magician warrior. Yes. Uh, yes. I have it sitting on my nightstand. Have not read it yet. <laughs> it's a good book, but there's a shadow and there's a light side to mm. all four of those. And the, all, all four of those archetypes show up in every man. So there is a warrior that is very disciplined in every single man, whether he wants to access that or whether he wants to be soft and say, Oh, I'm having mm. a hard day. I'm going to go have, um, I'm going to go to the bar or whatever that is. That was something that my father would have done. Um, but I think being a father and the role of a father is somewhat of, of a responsibility of sovereignty. So what does sovereignty look like to me? Sovereignty means putting other people first, thinking about a kingdom and thinking about what does it mean about an ecosystem? How am I affecting the people and the um things that are around me. So how do I treat this world? How do I engage with, with this world? Is it a taking? Mm. Is it, that's kind of the shadow side of the King. Is it a give me, give me, give me, serve me, or is it in a, how do I serve and how do I make judicious decisions that serve my family? Not just for today, but, and that's part of like having savings. And so there's a lot of layers that your kids, that's the the tough part about fatherhood. It's not like, it's such a dynamic. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Role. It doesn't have. It has to do with how fiscal, how you show up fiscally. I take a lot of risks, and sometimes I think I'm doing a terrible job teaching my kids about fiscal responsibility (laughs) because 
take these big risks, but I know that it's heart driven and I'm leading with my heart. And mm -hmm. I really do feel like I'm guided. I don't know, you know, some people would say that is God or, um, but there's some kind of spirit or God, or, you know, for me, I was, I'm Christian. So, you know, I do feel like God is guiding me sometimes and I don't have to have all the answers. So, um, but I feel like the role to keep it short would be to guide and support. So making mm -hmm. sure that your kids know that you're there for them when you need them giving them space so that you don't smother them and giving them structure to guide them to make the right decisions, um, I think is really important. What's so cool is that what you just expressed was that you feel like that's what God does for you. You're all, I'm heart, I'm heart led, but I feel like I'm guided. Um, so I don't have to make all the decisions. I take a lot of risks, but it's all with my heart. And, and that's, seems to be because you have this belief that there's a father who's looking out for you. So it's kind of gives you this freedom on the playground. And, <laughs> and then when I asked you your role, you describe the same thing, but a little bit more specific, right? Cause you're thinking about you as the father, not you as the kid with your kids. It's like, I just want to guide them and support them. And dude, I kind of feel like that's the whole <laughs> point of fatherhood, dude, right there is that you have this anchor, this foundation, this belief, even though it's like wild to think about, right? That there's this God who created you and he's there and he's guiding you. And sometimes we feel it. And sometimes we're like, whoa, what the hell? This is wild. But you have this confidence there, just like I would believe that your six and eight year old have this confidence that you're around, that you're there, that you're supporting them, that you're guiding them. Even if it's not you walking beside them every second of the day, like guiding them, right? There's a freedom in it. Um, and I think what a great opportunity you and I have as fathers to be that same way to our children. That's a got beautiful me, distinction. I didn't got, even think about that. Got me all fired up, bro. Um, okay. So this podcast <laughs> is uh fatherhood field notes. We're already doing it, opening up your life, your field notes. Um, the mantras rebel and create, we already brought it up, but when you think about rebel and create, what are you rebelling against? And what do you hope to create out of that? Hmm. I think rebel is a touchy subject because I feel like there's it it comes with a tone of act activate active activist type of thing. Like there's a lot of things that go on in the environment that I don't approve of. And I think that we are squandering a lot of resources, obviously being in nature all my life and mm. seeing kind of the de deterioration of the seas and what's happening. Um environmentally throughout the world that it's a frustration but i've always approached it i kind of approach it from environmental in, in, inspirationalist i want to mm -hmm. inspire people to change um so i love that you've paired creativity with rebel because i feel like if you're going to rebel then find beauty in the, the rebellion like yeah find... it's like let's tear something down that's not serving us anymore and let's build something in its place yeah and I think that the new, I think I, I told you this, um, but the new catch word is, you know, work your, work your wage, um, you know, quiet quitting. And I feel like there's these movements that are happening in the U S that I'm just as a Christian man, I just, or as just even a man, the way that I was raised, like, I think you need to show up and serve, like mm. you need to show up and put your a hundred percent into everything that you do. Like if somebody needs me to like, I, run three companies. If I need to sweep the floors or clean the toilets in the shop, I'll clean the toilets in the, the shop. Like, I don't care what it is that I'm called or need to, it in the moment. If I need to be a psychologist to one of my 
my employees. I'm a psychologist to my employee. I feel like if as an employee, even Tony says it's like, how do you serve and how do you create more abundance within the organization you work for? If it's not appreciated, I think that's a whole different conversation. And then that's a time to maybe move on. So I definitely feel like, but the way I see is that you give, give, give. And then on the backside of that, people recognize how much of an mm. asset you are to the company. So that's a, a new catch word and a new movement right now that I would say, if I was saying that I'm rebelling against anything right now, that's frustrating me is hearing that because it, it's antithetical to the entire way that I think. So, mm-hmm. yes, it's, um, it's a scarce mindset. <clears throat> it's a, it's, it's a low value of yourself. It's a low value of your potential. Um, again, it's just that, let me compare next to the person who's working in the cubicle next to me. Am I doing the same or a little bit more? Cool. I'm good. And and you're not growing. You're not learning. You're not becoming the best version of yourself. I'd like to jump into, into um, I'd like to jump into for a minute, like what you're creating and the reason, you know, I, I is, is at the beginning of the podcast, I said, Hey, do you want to talk about this? Or do you want to wait till it's up and running? And I think that a lot of times we we wait to like promote something and, and talk about something when it's up and running because it's like it's exciting. Um, but you're in the middle of creating something that's like been stirring in your soul. So I think for men and fathers to hear you in the middle of it <clears throat> is healthy because I think a lot of us are maybe not going after something that we really deeply desire because we're scared or we're nervous or we don't know what it looks like on the other side, but you're somewhat in the middle of it. So what are you creating right now? You brought it up a little bit, um, Nature Ninja, but tell me a little bit more art, science, and nature. What is it? What's it going to do? What are some of the things you're starting? Um, Yeah, just jump into it. Um, so let me frame it properly for you. Uh, so I, again, started my first company in service, mowing lawns, turned into a landscape company. We're still in the service business 30 years later. Um, so 30 years of doing just service-based businesses. And I had bought three companies over the past seven years and we were merging them into one company. And I was in the, with this big marketing firm, spent a whole lot of money on the rebranding process. And he said, well, what is, what is your driving force? Like, what is your why? What, what wakes you up in the morning? What lights your soul on fire? Like really like digging questions of like what and doing the same service. And really I'm good at what I do. I love going outside and talking to people about their trees. I can talk to them about plant physiology. I can talk to them about soil science. We can talk about entomology, but what was lighting my soul on fire was my kids. Mm. It was those two little children that were there every single morning looking at me and looking up to me. And I was like, I love my kids. I want to serve my kids and I want them to have the best possible experience. Um, and I want to connect with them. Like part of the reason we do a timeshare in Maui is that I wanted to go to the middle of nowhere once a year, every year that they were alive. So since Kai was born, he's been to Maui every single year and he will go to Maui and we'll have family pictures for 18 years. That's and then sick. as many years as I can keep him coming after he goes to high school, um, I want to do that. Like, that's my intention. So my soul is lit, lit on fire by these two little boys. And I'm having conversations with my son. And I was deeply connected with Japanese culture when I first started the company when I was 15. So there was, I don't know if you remember, like Mr. Miyagi and, you know, the bonsai trees. and Of Koi. course. But the Japanese have a different um, connection with nature than most people in the world. Mm. It's a much deeper 
and it's about balance and it's about you know really a, a deep connection with nature so we started going down this and rootsu was the name that we decided on which means you know it's the how you say roots in japanese and we started this idea of the nature ninja and what would a nature ninja look like? And then there came the soil sensei and the soil sensei would be the guide. And the nature ninja was this kid like me as a child that was sitting there on the playground, not feeling like I was connecting, not knowing where I fit, not feeling like I understood other kids. And I was like picking the seed heads off of mallow and thinking, God, this is so beautiful. And how did God create this little tiny seed? And I don't know if you've ever seen like a mallow seed, but so then he not, would not turn to nature and see what adventures he could actually discover out in nature. So that that was where the inception of uh, the nature ninja began. And then it became legendary ninjas and there's the soil or the soil sensei, but then there's the earth ninja that teaches kids about, you know, earth soil science and geology. And there's the insect ninja that teaches them about entomology. There's the tree ninja that teaches them about tree physiology and uh, plant structure and photosynthesis. So it's a lot of the science that we already have. It's just a different approach. And it's also a, an approach that's, you know, kind of new and trendy where I've written eight comic books at this point. I think this is an important thing for dads to understand or just people to understand that are entrepreneurs is it's arduous. And it's, you know, it's been two and a half years. I would, Well, I'd say yes. it's two years. We're moving into two and a half years. And we do have a 2,500 square foot space that we're about to open up here this summer just for camps, like just as a soft opening, just to kind of see like, how is this going to land? I don't have a clue how this is going to work out in the world or how it's going to land with people or how they're going to receive these comic books. Um, so it's been a lot of isolation. I'm excited. I'm scared, I think, too, as far as to release it to the public just to because it's been kind of my baby. Yeah. But there's you just kind of lean into it. And like I said, I feel like I was called to do this. So it's not really me. I, I kind of am just channeling what God wants me to do. And part of that is for hopefully to inspire fathers to get outside and get into nature and do really cool, fun challenges and exploration. But there's a whole media side of it, obviously, with the the uh, comic books. I'd like to turn those into cartoons and there's a merch site and it's on and on. But to frame it from where I started, like I only know service. I've only done that since I was 15. So this is terrifying to me. And I've spent probably a quarter of a million dollars developing this brand. And uh, it's just manifesting as it's supposed to manifest. So I have no clue where it's going or how or who the help will come from. But um, it's progressing. Like I spent six hours sanding floors, the epoxy floors a day to get them sealed. And it's just one thing at a time. So just focus with in what's in front of you. I've watched multiple entrepreneurs on... Um, with Tony Robbins, where he'll interview him on the last day of business mastery. And there, there consistently is an eight year lag period before something goes big. So don't wow. think that if you're going to start a brand that it's just going to be an overnight success in a year. I've watched, they, they've had boom, chicka pop, the popcorn lady on, it took her eight years. Shazam almost went bankrupt multiple times. It took him eight years. Um, they had the lady from call of power that just, um, went big, which was, that, that was a great story. And uh, Chip Davis, who was um, Lululemon was on, on this last interview, but it's, a, there's kind of a lag period. And I think entrepreneurs and people who are trying to hit a dream know that it's going to take time. So I give myself grace to know that I'm like two years into this. I'm like in the inception baby, baby year. So if I don't have a website and a, a following yet, you know, everyone wants to have like a thousand followers on YouTube and that's a benchmark or wherever you're 
you know, your social media of choices. Um, Dude, I love the important part is like, what's, what's your heart? What's, what's the yes. message? What's, and then it will find its place in this world. Man. What's so cool to hear you go is cause like you just kind of like just said a whole bunch. Right. And, and a lot of it was more, it was from your heart, right? You're trying to connect it to your head in some instances, like this is what I'm doing, but you don't have it all figured out. And, and it's from your heart and it's at this like infant stage and it's somewhat vulnerable to share and talk about, but you're sitting in a beautiful 24, 2,500 square foot. I mean, look at the walls, look at the art, look at everything that's in there designed for nature ninja, right? You have built so much already eight comic books. Uh, but to hear you talk about it in this stage of almost like, I don't want to show or tell anybody about this yet. Cause I don't know. So it's vulnerable, dude. I think it's such a great place to share it because you're creating a gift for the world, right? You're creating a gift. And when you give somebody a gift, there's this nervousness of like, it, 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 are you going to like it? You know, but there's <laughs> yes. this, but there's this 12 year old boy who was lonely sitting on a playground and that was you. And right now, I mean, probably even multiplied because of what COVID did to our kids isolation is there's kids just isolated. And, and I mean, I have friends talk about it now, like their kids addiction to screens now versus what it was four years ago. So different because a lot of parents just kind of let it go during COVID. And so now there's this disconnect between fathers and sons and, you know, kids. But when you talk about nature ninja, really creating opportunity and giving dads tools to go outside and connect with their kids and giving them fun stuff. And frankly, dude, it's not to like I've gone to church my whole life and church is great, but a lot of the stuff that we kind of put out there for fathers and sons to connect sometimes, and I shouldn't even throw churches under the bus. I should just say in general, the shit that's put out there for fathers and sons and like dads, like versus you look up a dad blog versus a mom blog. Like the mom stuff is tight, looks good. It's clean. It's beautiful. <laughs> the dad stuff is dorky and lame. And I say church, like, like a church camp, you know, like you get the father, son church camp t-shirt is just, it's like always going to be so stupid. Um, but what you're creating is something that is aesthetically beautiful. And, 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 and that's like, I think that's, you know, my thought with the adventure of fatherhood and with the stuff I'm wanting to do is like when a dad touches it or sees it, I want him to go like, holy shit, this was made for me. Like this is next level. Like this is real. This was thought out. This wasn't just done in a month. This wasn't just produced quickly. And you're taking your time to make something epic that is going to be an opportunity for, for kids and fathers and people to connect, but to connect with nature, which is something, I mean, clearly this whole conversation, bro, you're passionate about the outdoors. You know, yeah. Um, well, I think we have the best conversations a lot of times as men, not sitting in a boardroom across yeah. the oh. table. It's on a walk or a hike or on a camping trip. Yeah, like it's just go it's outside. being connected in a, a natural environment. So, and it's hard for us to do sometimes. Like if I told my family we're going on a hike tomorrow, it's like, man, sometimes I just don't want to do it because I know they're all going to bitch and grovel about it. But by the time we're like 15 minutes into the hike, at least one kid's like, dad, this is cool. Or dad, thanks. Or dad, look at this. They're engaged. It's just, I think sometimes dads are just like sick of the pushback, but that's our job, right? Our job is like push, just push through that. But what you're creating is something that's a little bit more um, exciting than, hey, let's just go on a hike. 
but I think it's almost a movement too. I don't know that mm. it's just me. I mean, we we participated with a really cool challenge that Fial Raven, which is a you know kind of like a North Face, but they're yeah, a yeah, yeah. Brand. Mm-hmm. And my entire family joined this challenge in October. And if you hiked, I think it was seventy five miles within the month, you got a two hundred fifty dollars store credit. There was no strings attached. It was like what. So we all did it and I ended up doing 200 miles. I was kind of like, well, I want to go a little bit further. So I did 200 miles and then both my boys did hundred miles each and my wife did uh, 97. So we did 500 miles collectively as a family. Wow. And I think that that's the power of, you know, as a man, I've never said, Hey, we're going to go hike every single day. But once I had that challenge and it like gave me something to fix on, mm-hmm. it gave our, our, our entire family something to rally around it wasn't just about and it wasn't about the materialism even like we were just really right. proud at the end of the month that we actually did it like that was just you a, felt a part of something yeah. yeah you brought it up you know so i think that the challenge and the feeling like you're a part of something bigger than yourself and then and then even a little competitive i think is is uh what we need and i mean even just seeing the nature ninja stuff uh feels like it's it's going that way um Couple last things. I know we got to go here, but um, those comic books. When are those going to come out? When can we see them? And where could people find them? Um, because I'm really excited about them. Well, I, I'm planning on in the next couple months here printing them, and they'll certainly be available here uh, locally. <laughs> and we'll have them going through like Walking Mountain Science Center um, up in Vail. And then I think online it's nature-ninja.com. The website is not up and running yet, but that is the uh, the web domain that we'll be putting it through. And we're going to animate a lot of the the comic books, books and put them on YouTube. And so there's there's layers upon layers um, for that. But I'm happy to uh, share a link with you once we get that up and running. And yeah, I will send send you personally all eight of them as soon as they uh, are printed. I can't <laughs> wait to check them out, my kid. And then and then um. Before I ask my final question, um, you know, in, in pre pre us hitting record, you're not you share something that you're about to start. And so I want to bring it up because I think the other thing that's powerful is not just waiting until you're ready. Right. Um, I know you've done a few soft launch things and a few a few different things, but I think sometimes we can get stuck in um, uh, once this is ready, I'll send it out once it's ready. But you're doing the super dad Sundays. Tell us a little bit about that and and bring it up because I think other dads could start things like this. Like I'm actually leaving in 30 minutes to go camping with three other dads and like 20 of our kids up on some dude's property nice. here on the big island. Uh, nice. We, yeah. So I'm pumped. We're going to try and kill an animal in the morning. The goal is to kill a pig and then to cook it in the afternoon. So man, we'll those, those boars there are mean too. That's And they're tough. Good luck. Yeah. We'll see if it ha- if it works out, but that's the intent. So, anyways, wow, that sounds you, awesome. Yeah, it should be it should be an experience. Um, I was texted, bring chips and whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, okay, so Super Dad Sundays, dads can do stuff now. So, what is it that you're gonna do with the Super Dad Sundays, and maybe give some dads some ideas of what they could go do right now if they wanted to. So Super Dad Sunday kind of came out of this feeling, you know, men self-isolate, as we know, but, Mm -hmm. you know, we're in the middle of the Colorado Rockies, and this is a very small community, and a lot of dads don't even have, like, any connection to other men. So it kind of came out of this, like, need 
selfishly for myself too, because I was like, I'm not really connecting with other dads in my community. So how can I put something together where we have something healthy? It's not a bunch of us getting around and drinking beer um, and checking out. It's like, I wanted to have the kids here and have a day where we do something out in nature. I don't care if it's going out and we find found objects, we go snowshoeing, but then Mm. there's kind of a creative element at the end of the day where the kids can actually do a drawing. They can actually do a, um, they can write the script of a comic book. So that's a big thing is we'll print out sheets and they can actually narrate themselves and then illustrate that themselves. And they can do it on a cat or they can do it on a piece of paper, but, and then try and bring in some kind of a science piece of it. Um, but it's loosely just to try and get dads to kind of get around and be like, Oh, we, we can grill burgers and we can, you know, uh, put just our game face on and let the moms actually take a day off on a Sunday there you go. and have a re- send them to the spa. And then we just get together and we talk while the kids are actually connecting and doing their thing. Like a lot of it is me. I just want to see the dynamic of how it looks when a bunch of dads that are in the, the mountain Valley here are that are feeling disconnected, get together and we get to hang out and be with the people that we love the most in this world. Like we're there with our children and, um, how is that going to manifest? So I, I, again, I don't ha- know how that's going to look either, but I am also very excited that there are several dads that I've mentioned it to and they're like, yeah, dude, I'm down. I'm hundred percent. I'll be there. And we've got the space here. So fortunately yeah. I have a commercial space that we can actually, we've got big art tables and we've got 3d printers and lots of ways to engage kids from three to 15 or 18. I'm sure. I don't know how that, that looks, but so good. Yeah. I think that that mindset of, I, I, we don't have to have it all figured out, but let's create some space, create some space, get some people together and then see what happens. Um, and then don't fill all the space. You know, I think that that's really important is like the, the time that we connect with people, um, just around doing something together, uh, you just got to create the opportunity and then see what happens. And I think dads, you have the opportunity, the power to do that, get some dads together and go camp or go snowshoe or go make something. Um, dude, Matthew, so good. I have just so enjoyed this conversation. I love what you're doing. I love your passion for it. Um, I know we could talk for hours and, and, and as this launches more, I'd love to talk more about it, but I'm going to ask you my final question, fatherhood question. And that is a legacy question. Imagine yourself 40 years from now, okay, 40 years from now, your sons will be pretty close to your age. If you were to be standing in a cul-de-sac, peering into their homes, looking in the window, seeing what's going on inside their homes, what would you see happening? And you'd have a huge smile on your face going, all right, the day in, day out way that I showed up played an impact on what's happening in there. What would you see going on in their houses, in their lives? I think... For me, it's about showing up for your family. So it would be, you know, them helping their their wives cook the meal, them mm. sitting down for dinner, them engaging with their their kid, their own kids, and just having a, a home. So I think there's a lot to be said about what a, what a home is. So mm-hmm. a, a home is a sanctuary. So I hope that they have what we've created, and you know, I look forward to going home. I look forward to. When we come to Maui, you know, it's anywhere from two to six weeks and we never turn the TV on. So I hope that they don't feel that they need to distract themselves with technology or with that they can actually enjoy each other. So, and yes, my kids play plenty of video games and they play, they watch plenty of cartoons, but when we have, when we're in a unique environment and we shake things up, like we love spending time together. And I just want them to have as much love 
in their lives as I've been blessed to feel with our children and with my my wife. And uh, that would make me happy. I don't care if it's a little tiny house. I don't really think that material things uh, are the measure of any man. I think that it has to do with that they live lives of service and that they are actually here to uh, bring life into this world. So however that manifests itself to help others um, or help the environment or help animals or whatever that is, is that they live, leave a life or lead a life of uh, giving. So, Dude, well said. Matt, it has been incredible talking to you. Thank you for the man, husband, father, friend, business leader uh, that you are. Keep inspiring. Keep building creative, beautiful things, gifts for the world. And I'm just so excited to see all that you build uh, yourself and with your kids and with your family. And uh, I look forward to staying connected to you, my friend. Same with you, brother. I'm looking forward to it. And certainly what you're working on is an inspiration to me. It's nice to know that there's other men out there that are trying to lead this uh this narrative and this uh Mm. movement of men that are trying to show up for their families and be better than we perceive ourselves to be so to show up dude let's do it i'm fired up man all right until next time what another incredible conversation a couple things that really stuck out i mean matthew's story was incredible But you guys, being clear about your identity, super powerful. That is really our superpower, is knowing who you are as a man, especially as a father in your home, and that there are always layers to push through. There's always more that you could be growing in to continue to become that man that you will respect, that you see looking back at you in the mirror. Uh, Quick pause before we end. You are already making massive change to your legacy and family tree by investing in yourself as a father. As you know, many men stumble into their role as a father and some still stumbling with kids in their elementary, middle, high school. Um, Our society is in desperate need of fathers who know who they are and are engaged in their home. And I created the Adventure of Fatherhood Children's Book and Gift Box as an opportunity for you to be in, uh, to be a part of another man's journey. Uh, so help me spread the word. Help me invite men into their role. If you know a new dad or a dad with young kids who recently had a baby, you can go order him this book and make your own gift, or you can go to adventurefatherhood.com and order a gift box, put a personalized note in there that we'll, we'll do it all for you and ship it to him. And it just says, welcome to fatherhood with the kids book and some other goodies in there. But Don't let men stumble into fatherhood. Nobody is going to invite them in. I give you the authority to be inviting men into their role. It matters. Thank you, all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. I look forward to hanging out with you next time.